0: Okay, let's talk about <clears throat> last week. We've been talking the last several weeks about, about vision, if you will, our ability to see. And I want to talk about, continually to talk about that for a few minutes. We, we started off the year, I know it's July. We started off the year with 2020 vision for the rest of your life. It really hasn't stopped. There, there still needs to be vision for the rest of your life. O- on the other hand, I... I want to break that down because if, if we exist for a certain reason, it's this that every generation experience the transforming power of Jesus Christ, listen, in every area of their life. That, that's been a big challenge in our culture that we've seen recently. Um, church has just been allocated to one area of somebody's life, your spirituality is just allocated to just one thing you do on Sunday. No. Your relationship with Jesus Christ needs to impact every area of your life. Every area of your life. So what does that look like? Well, I think transformation looks like, first of all, people getting saved. People being healed. People being set free. People being discipled. People being equipped, empowered, serving. Um, Really, if you think about it, if somebody's not saved but they're empowered... That's not good. Um, they probably can do a lot of damage, don't you think? So it's not, not everything has to happen in this specific order, but I, I want to talk, we're going to be talking about these things, because if we talk about transformation, how many have, have ever thought about what transformation looks like, and you don't really know how to describe that? You ever thought about what transformation looks like, and, and, and I know, and please, uh, I talk about uh, my relationship with my wife, Diane, a lot from the pulpit. But it's because it's a powerful part of who I am. 39 years we've been married. And um, it's just, it's, it's what I've got. <laughs> it's my blessing. And when I ask Diane, how can I, we ask each other almost every morning when we remember, what can I do for you today? How can I be a blessing to you today? And out of this beautiful five-foot-tall beautiful woman, here's here's what she says a lot. Can can you just be nice? Here's how you will be a blessing to me today. Just be nice. Okay? And, of course, I'm sitting there thinking, doesn't she know who I am? That's the whole problem. She knows exactly who I am. And, And so when I think, sometimes when I think of transformation, I think of if I was just nice, I would be transformed. <laughs> if, I act, if I'm just nice today, that would be a wonderful aspect of transformation. Well, it, it, it could be, but listen. Here's what real transformation starts to look like. When somebody is saved and they realize who they are in Christ Jesus, and then somebody starts walking that out, it's not just about calling yourself a disciple. It's about being discipled and walking it out. You start to see transformation. And I still, I just want to profess and, and project to you that we need to start living transformed lives. But you can't just get up and decide, I'm going to be transformed. You're transformed by the work of God in your life. You're transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You're transformed by understanding who you are in Jesus Christ. And that all happens by us hearing the word. Not just on Sunday morning, every day. So we're, we're going to just start this morning, and I'm going to talk about what it really means to be saved. And this may sound simplistic to some of you, but I'm hoping that it sort of uh, shakes us a little bit because getting saved is more than a stay out of and get out of hell free card. For a lot of people, that's what got them saved. Somebody preached a good message on hell And they just got their ticket. And that's not a bad reason to get saved. That's what saved means, by the way. The word saved, sozo, means to rescue from danger or destruction. And so I I jokingly, I don't believe in this theology anymore, but I jokingly say that when when I was a kid, I got saved every Sunday. I wanted to make sure, because my dad would preach hell and preach it hot. You know, sometimes hell is just a little scary. But when you can feel the heat when somebody's preaching, you'll get it right with Jesus. So for me, getting saved was a get out of hell free card. The problem is getting saved is so much more than that, guys. Being saved is so much more than that. So I want us to look at this for a few minutes this morning. Ephesians chapter 2. simply says this, he says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that anyone may boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. He shaped us, that word created means he transformed, he created, he shaped. He transformed you for good works. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, or you would boast, he knows us. You would take credit for it. And and I heard a gentleman say one time, the one thing that there will be none of in heaven is boasting. No one will be able to say, look here, I made it. No, you didn't. He did. He gave you the right. He gave you the access. No one can boast. So he also prepared for us. Now, God's the workman, not us. It's not our works. It's his work, that we should walk in them. That's the every area of your life. That's why us being saved just to feel good on Sunday morning is not It's not what it's about. It's us being saved and prepared and equipped for every area of your life. Every area. Yes, your marriage. Yes, your business. Where you work. Where you hang out today after church. Don't you know that it's just as important to be a good Christian when you're at a restaurant somewhere today or when you order and pick up curbside? Whatever you do later on today, it's just as important to be a child of God there as it is here. Amen. I know we're, we're a smaller group. But one of the things I'd like to be also changing is if I say something that makes sense, let me know it. <laughs> here's, here's the challenge. We don't really understand what being saved is all about. We've made it difficult. I was talking with um, an acquaintance of mine, and we were having a conversation last week, actually. And he was talking about salvation. And he actually mentioned it like this He said, I really wish America could really understand grace afresh and anew. And that got me thinking that's our problem. We, we have, we've gotten a twisted idea of what grace is, and we're either living in fear trying to earn something or we're living in blatant sin, missing something. Okay? So, here's, here's what, here's the first thing I want you to see about being saved. It's a gift. It's a gift. I, I know I've already said this, but it's not works, that no one should boast. It's a gift. Listen to what Romans 11 says. But if it's by grace, it is no longer on the basis of works that was Old Testament. But if it's grace, it's got to be about grace. He says otherwise grace would no longer be grace. It's either grace or it's not. It's either a gift or it's not. Now now let me just, in a weird way, let me show you how this plays out. My grandchildren, my wife and I have three beautiful grandchildren, and one hopefully to be adopted, and Uh, they're going to be with us in about a week. And every time they're coming, we're buying stuff. So there's a, there's a swing that Diane has ordered, and it's on the way. And when it he gets here, I'll be putting that up in the backyard. And we've already bought it, got a little floating basketball hoop for the pool, and it's got a little basketball. And, and when they get here, we're going to say, we love you. Here's these, here's these wonderful gifts and these toys. Go play. Here's this free stuff Now, how do you think they would feel if I said, "Here is this free stuff." "Oh, thank you, Poppy." That'll be 47.50. Is that free? Um, but that's not really how it that's not even how we fall into this because God never says, "I gave you my son Jesus Christ. Now you owe me big time." He never has said that. It's, it's when we turn, how I, how I would feel if one of my grandchildren turned around and said, oh, Poppy, thank you so much. How much is that going to be? What, what are you talking about? I love you. You don't owe me anything. Please, I love you. No, 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 no. You're not getting this one. I, I got this, Poppy. Have you had, ever had lunch with somebody like that? Hey, let, let me get this. No, 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 no. no. Why not? Because I don't want to owe you. Because if you buy lunch, now I owe you lunch. And if I buy you lunch, I'm going to expect you to buy me lunch. Maybe you've never been. I had some odd friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> but here, here's the reality. We don't want to live owing. And what happens is the reason we struggle with salvation is somehow we can't believe God loves us so much that he would give us this gift and not expect us to pay it back. Not expect us to live up to his standards in such a way that now we deserve to be saved. I- I've, got, I've got a lot of quick points to move through here. I'm not even going to tell you how many points I have because it will scare you. But it's, it's a free gift. Everybody understand that? You can't deserve it. You'll never deserve it. But it's a free gift. You'll never be able to earn it. I'm going to speak more about this when we wrap it up in a few moments. The the second thing about being saved is that we have eternal life. Eternal life. Now, it's hard for us to get our minds around this one. Um, Have you ever had a child say, How long is eternity? Feels like eternity right now, doesn't it? Because it's hard to get your mind about around how long eternity is. It, it's, it's like, well, I, I don't know how long, but, but we'll start it one day. No, if you're in Jesus Christ, you've already started it. If you're in Jesus Christ, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you're eternal life. Now, we're still in this body, but guys, listen, and, and this is not, I don't want you to get afraid of this. This body is decaying. This body is slowly, sorry, <laughs> it's going south, all right? And now, if you're afraid about that, you don't know what being saved is. I, I, if, if you're afraid of, now listen, I'm not, you know, we're going to live forever, and we know there's another side of the grave, and I'm not suggesting we all need to go there today. What I am saying is you don't have to live in fear about it. We live in so much fear. Yes, we have eternal life, but we want to have it all right here. This body is not going to give you eternal life here. That's why we'll have a new body. Thank the Lord. You should really get excited about that one. We'll have a new body. But until then, we still can be assured and understand That when we have been saved through Jesus Christ, he's given us this free gift that has eternal life. Listen to what the Word of God says. In Romans chapter 6, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. In Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he made to us, eternal life. 1 John 5, 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know you have eternal life. Now, the Word of God, he tells us, I'm writing these things so that you will know you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Eternity is a long time. But it starts when you give your life to Jesus. I'm I'm already living in my eternal life, if you will. There's going to be some more transition that takes place. this This gets into a little bit of that the, the kingdom uh, now, but not yet. You see, the, the part of the kingdom I'm talking about is my spirit, man, has been made right with God, and I commune with the Father. I, I, I can be filled with the power of his Holy Spirit. God is in me. God, the Holy Spirit, is working in me, convicting me of sin, empowering me. I can have relationship with the Father right now. I don't have to wait. Amen. So so there's eternal life, but then there's also forgiveness. Now, we, we pretty much equate that with salvation all the time. We want to be forgiven of our sins because we don't want to go to hell. But it's so much more than that, guys. Acts chapter 13 says, Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus, forgiveness of sin is proclaimed to you, and by him... Everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Jeremiah 31 says, I will forgive their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more. Here's why sometimes we think we have to earn salvation. Excuse me. Um, We think he remembers. We do. Hello. Anybody ever say that they forgive you when you ask for forgiveness, and then they remind you later of what they have forgiven you for? Okay. Come on, that's that's human nature, but that's why we have to kill that human nature, right? Um, and 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 please, maybe maybe not looking at each other right now is a good thing. <laughs> But here's the the challenge for us. It's not about how well we can remember because it's not that God can't remember. We're talking about God. God can remember. He chooses. He chooses not to remember. I, I will remember your sins no more. It doesn't mean God gets amnesia. It means he chooses to forgive. It's it's a part of our transformation. Uh, A huge sign of transformation in our life is not becoming a doormat. See, sometimes we think about forgiveness as becoming a doormat, and people just walk on us and we say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. No, at some point, um, it's okay to to stand up. It's not about being a doormat. It's, It's about when somebody comes to you and says, I'm sorry. I forgive you. A transformation is, I choose, I, I remember it. You know, so, you know, some people say, well, I, I'll, I forgive, but I'll never forget. You probably won't. You probably won't ever forget, but you have to choose not to remember. Hello? And so that way, the next time something comes up in a, in a conversation, that sometimes married people call it arguments, but they're called conversations in church. The next time, as a married couple, you're having a conversation and somebody gets historical, before everybody gets hysterical, <laughs> say, listen, we have to, we can remember, we do remember all those things because we know we can't forget some things. But let's choose not to remember. That's transformation right there, guys. And see, forgiveness of sins means, and we've, we've heard this before, this is going to be nothing new for any of us in here. You've got to forgive yourself. A, a big reason God forgives us is we can't forgive ourselves. Or we can't let somebody else off the hook. You know, somebody's hurt us, and, and we just can't believe God would forgive us. And if we can't forgive them, and we want them to earn something from us, surely God wants us to earn something from him. Surely if I work hard enough, I'll win God's favor. Surely if I work more desperately, and, and I, I've been here before, surely if I pray for an hour every day, God will listen. Surely if I sacrifice. Now listen, is this anti-prayer? No, we're going to talk about discipleship. We're going to talk about acts of discipleship. We're going to talk about acts of discipline over the next several weeks. The reality is... Prayer's a good thing, but if the only reason you're praying is to impress God, he's not impressed. You'll never impress him by your prayer. I almost think sometimes it's our level of faith that he uh, loves more than our eloquence in prayer. Now what do I mean by that? You know what what I, sometimes, um, and I, I know I bring my grandchildren up a lot, but sometimes when when my grandchildren come up to me and they're having all these conversations about a lot of stuff, and, and I don't even understand half the stuff they're talking about now, and they're just talking and talking, and I'm pretending like I'm listening. <laughs> but but you let one of them scream for help. It might be three words, but let one of them scream for help. I'm right on time. Why? Because our long, eloquent words. Sometimes they put you to sleep. Be honest with yourself. We don't have to raise our hands, but you have put yourself to sleep praying. You you even you're even praying on this is a load of stuff. My lord. I'm this is I'm praying and this is stupid. But here's here's when you get God's attention with your faith. Help me, Jesus. You're in the midst of the fire. You're in the midst of a circumstances, and it's not the greatest prayer. It's not the longest prayer, but it touches heaven. Why? Because you really believe you need a Savior. And I don't want to ramble on these, please, but we have eternal life. We have forgiveness. Psalms tells us as far as is the east from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do yourself a favor. Get amnesia. Choose to not remember. Now, how, how is it that we can be forgiven like that? How is it that we can be saved like that? Let's talk a word, about a word called justified. When you are saved, you are justified. What does that word justified mean? Romans chapter 3 says, For we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption of that is in Christ Jesus. Now, several of these dovetail, but let me work quickly through them. When you're justified, we get the word justice from justified. And, and we, we know we've heard the word justice many, many times in our life. And usually, justice means vengeance, if we're honest. When we, when we want justice served, we want somebody to get the penalty we think they deserve. What justice is, is you getting what the law says you deserve. That's what justice is. It's not opinionated. Justice is you getting what the law says you deserve. And when we talk about the justice of God, it's his law and us being measured against his law. And when we are justified, as the, as the word just said, through Jesus Christ, it's Now, this isn't a Greek breakdown of this word, but listen. It's just as if I'd never done it. See, through Jesus Christ, we're going to talk about righteousness in just a minute. Through Jesus Christ, the laws and the sins and what I do deserve according to the law, through Jesus Christ, it's just like you'd never done it. You're clean. It's it's almost like if you're sitting in a courtroom, and don't raise your hands on this one. Um, I happen to have been in this situation with a speeding ticket called reckless driving in some states. And I I was told that, um, as a matter of fact, several people told me to bring a toothbrush with you to court. And I was like, who needs a toothbrush in, in court? Well, you won't need it in court, it's just that you might not go home. And that, that really put the fear of God in me. I went to a driving class because they said it will look like you're trying. So I took the driving class, I went to court, we sat in court, my lawyer got up, and the judge looked at me after they discussed a few things. I didn't even want to know what they said, but they discussed a few things, and here's what the, here's what the judge says, not guilty. Hallelujah. I I thought, um, you know, if you've never been to court, you at least need to go to sit in the back and watch. It's more more respectfully church-like than most churches. First of all, you can't chew gum in court. You can't act up in court. The ushers with badges on will come up and down the aisles and tell you to sit down. We call them ushers here. They're called cops in the courtroom, all right? Deputies of the court. They'll walk up and, and they'll literally tell you, get off your, you know, you can't even bring your cell phones in church. No, please, I, I know you're looking at your Bibles, so God bless you. You can't bring your cell phones in. Ch- My point is it's a very respectful place because when the judge speaks, everybody I mean, you're even sitting there listening to everybody else's case. Why? Because you want to see how the judge acts. And some people get really nervous because when he starts throwing people into jail for things less than they did, (laughs) you start getting nervous. So for the judge to say, not guilty, all charges are dropped. Here's what that means. You walk out of the court, you're not looking over your shoulder. All the charges are dropped. There's no charges. There's nobody chasing you anymore. There's nobody looking out for you. You still need to drive slower. But all charges are dropped. Do you understand what I'm saying? We as believers sometimes, we, we have this built-in sense of God's forgiving me, but I always got to be on the run. I've got to be looking out. No, if God says not guilty, it's because someone else has paid the price. See, there has been justice. Don't think it went unpaid. The only reason you're not guilty is when you were guilty, Jesus took your place. When you did have penalties of sin on you and you did, Jesus took your place. And that brings us to a word called righteousness. We are made righteous in his sight. Romans 4, and and Romans 4, 3 is up there, but if you go back to Romans 4, chapter 2, it it simply says, was Moses, did Moses find righteousness because of works? No. Verse 20, or verse 3 says, for what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. Did Abraham, sorry, did Abraham find righteousness because of works. No. But when Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness. 2 Corinthians five twenty one, For he made him who knew no sin, we sang it this morning, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's why I love a few verses before that. It says that if anyone is in Jesus Christ, he is a new creation, The old man is gone, the new man has come. How? Because Jesus Christ became sin for us. Jesus Christ became sin and took our place. See, we we need to believe this so we can receive this. We need to truly believe that Jesus Christ took our place so we can believe and we can follow after him. Uh, It's going to get a little tight for about five more minutes. But it needs to. Um, Number six is that he is our redeemer. We have been redeemed. Now, why why is this a tight one, Pastor? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? Listen, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Now, some of you are going to take this as legalism. Get over it. The Bible says you are not your own. Some of you may have the attitude, and and, it's easy for me to be a little bold, um, but i got to live this out. Anything I'm talking to you about, I get to live out, believe me. I am not my own. There are many times I'll speak for myself. Where I want to be a man's man. I'm in charge. You ever feel that way? I'm the boss. You ever feel that way? I'm going to make my own decisions. Nobody makes my decisions for me. How is that working for you? See, when I begin to think like that, I get in trouble. It's amazing. It's amazing how easy it is to get in trouble when I'm trying to be the boss. But but the reason I'm being a little bold with this today is because when you are constantly reminded you don't belong to you, you belong to Him, there's a different spin on that. Now it's it's Lord, what do you want me to do for you today? And usually He says, Be nice. <laughs> Through my wife. <laughs> it's it's when I come to the Lord and I say, Lord, I know you've given me my company. I'm a steward of my company. My name is on the deed, but you're the boss. It's when I come to the Lord and say, Lord, you've given me this job. See, this is, this is why we need transformation in every area of our life, not just how we act on Sunday. Lord, you've given me my family, but I'm not the boss of my family. I'm the steward of this family. Lord, you've given me this job. You've given me this opportunity. You've given me whatever the things that you have in this life. You've given them to me, Lord. I'm the boss. Okay, yeah, you go ahead and run it, John. Right into the ground. Because that's usually where it ends up, guys. And even, even when we build great businesses, how many of you know that there's a lot of millionaires out there who are miserable? Because they know how to make money, but not a living. They know how to make a lot of stuff happen, but they're miserable. Now, now why? I'm, I'm not, listen, I'm not saying you can't have money and be happy. What I am saying is you don't belong to yourself. He says, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit that is in you? You are not your own, for you were bought. Somebody, somebody paid for you. His name was Jesus. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your Bible, uh, in your body. Here's, here's what, a little story. Uh, a father and a son built a beautiful little boat. You may have heard this before, built a beautiful little sailboat. I mean, they took the time. They glued it together. They built this little boat. They took it out, put it in the river, and it sailed away. A little string broke, and they couldn't find it. Time passed, and somebody must have found it because the little boy was walking through this little town and saw it in a pawn shop window. And he ran inside and said, that's my boat. And the pawn shop owner says, no, it's not. It's mine now. You could have it for X amount of money. So the little boy ran home, got money from his father, went back to the store, bought the boat, and as silly as this may, story may be, the little boy just hugged that little boat and he said, I made you and now I bought you. See, he made you and then through his son, Jesus Christ, paid for you and bought you. You're not your own. You belong to him. You've been redeemed. The reason we can stand righteous before God and when the Word of God says that we can go boldly into the throne of grace, it doesn't mean with arrogance. It's not arrogantly going before God. Aren't you glad I'm here? It's, it's being able to boldly go in because you are no longer that sinner, but you're saved by grace. You're justified through Jesus Christ. You were made righteous through Jesus Christ, you are made right in God's standing because you've been redeemed. Now, here's what this leads up to, and I'm closing. All these things are powerful. They're all wonderful. It's a free gift. We have eternal life. We're justified. We we are righteous in his sight. We're forgiven of our sins. We are redeemed. But here's what this leads us to, and this is where it gets a little tight, guys. Guys. Are we committed? Now, this gets real close for somebody to feeling like we're talking about works again. No, it's not. Not even close. See, if I realize that I'm not my own, that I belong to him, and and when I hear silly things in the Word of God like, pick up your cross and follow me, and when I hear um, Paul say things like, be imitators of God. When I hear things like that, that sort of lets me know that in my life, I should be following who? That that when I read something in the Word and it it leads me and the Holy Spirit begins to deal deal with me in that area, what should I be doing? Moving in that area. That, That instead of saying, I've given my life to Jesus and I believe that I can I, I, you know, I'm saved by grace, not by work. So if I live certain lifestyles, I'm still saved. See, I don't read that anywhere. Now, pastor, are you saying we can lose our salvation? No, actually, I, I want to read this to you, and, and I just want you to think about this. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, why do you call me Lord and don't do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do what I tell you. Here's what he says in Matthew 7. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me you workers of lawlessness now there's a couple of things here and i just want you thinking about this for a second first of all jesus does not say i knew you for a little while and you fell away no he says i i, I never knew you in other words you can pray a prayer you can pray a get out of hell free prayer but if you're not listening, and if you're not paying attention, and if you're not following after Christ, it's not that you earned it. You're not. You've never started following. It, you can get scared, but not saved. I know I'm with some thin ice theologically. Let me skate, and we'll, we'll be finished in a minute. Because here's what I want to ask you: Are you saved? are you saved? And, and, and please, this isn't about, man, I, I'm feeling pretty bad now because I, I made some mistakes last week. Oh, this doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. I promise you, you'll make mistakes. But that's why the Bible says, uh, he is faithful to forgive us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mean I, I'm a, I walk humbly before my God every day. That's why I always encourage prayer in the morning because you will always need prayer at night. And if your morning prayers are, Lord, lead us, guide us, and direct us, the night prayers um, may, may just be thank you for a great day. But if I neglect to pray with the Lord in the morning, usually my night prayers are, Lord, Forgive me for everything I did today. I wasted a whole day that you have given me, and I messed up terribly, Lord. Please forgive me. Hello? Now, does the Lord look down and say, no, you blew it. No, no more forgiveness for you. Um, no, because some people have even said, well, pastor, how do I know if I'm really saved? Are you convicted about anything? When you do something, And the Holy Spirit taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, what's up with that? Well, he hurt my feelings. Oh. Um, I'm sorry about that, John. Now get up and forgive him. Get up and forgive them. Follow me. This doesn't mean you're not going to have a bad day, guys. Listen, most of us in this room know what bad days are. It's not that if you get saved... You're only going to have good days. I'm challenging you with how's your relationship with Jesus Christ because he paid the price for you. Have you really committed to him? Have we really committed to him? This isn't about legalism. This isn't about you following the rules. You'll never follow them well. This is are you willing to say I have decided to follow Jesus? No turning back. I have decided to accept what He's called me to. I have decided to accept salvation. You see, the Word of God is very clear. He knows us or He doesn't. Submitting our lives to Him, when we're saved, listen, it's a free gift, it's eternal life, it's forgiveness, we're justified. We're made righteous in his sight. Get get this picture in your mind. You're standing before God the judge, and you're made right. I I don't know what it is. If you'll please, Ingrid, come, or I won't quit. Um, I I don't know what it is about some of us just want to sort of eke into heaven. We just sort of want to get by with what we have to. You don't know the blessings of life you're missing right now. You don't know the blessings. Uh, men, men, listen. The responsibilities we have, the opportunities we have to minister to our families, to minister to the people around us are overwhelming. But if, if we're the kind of men that, well, we're going to serve Jesus, but we just want to eek, we just want to just get by with what we have to, you don't, know, you don't know what being saved is. You just got the hell scared out of you a little bit. And you accepted just enough to get the hell out get out of hell free card. I almost said, get the hell out of here card. <laughs> and so you're just scared enough to want to live there. But, but listen, you really don't want to get the hell out. You want to be saved, but live like you want to. And a well-known theologian, Bonhoeffer, said that's cheap grace cheap grace we've cheapened grace to only say I can live like I want but I'm still saved let, let me turn this around and we're going to close because I've got some questions I still want us to have some discussion after we pray but I heard one pastor say one time you know what if, if you're really wrestling with what you can do after you get saved sincerely give your heart to Jesus and follow him and then go do whatever you want Go live however you want to. Now, the reason I say that is because if you're really following Christ, you'll find that what you want to changes. You're reading the Word. You're praying. You're spending time with Him. You're following Him. Your actions change. Your desires change. Your hunger change. And the wholeness of your life becomes holiness before him. And the Bible tells us, without holiness, no man shall see God. Are you saved? Now, I want to pray with you. And we're going to break off of some groups. If, if you're with our online community, God bless you. I know Pastor Nick's going to wrap this up in just a moment. And we have those questions for you too. So I, I, I encourage you, take a few moments. And if you have questions, please contact us, and we love you. God bless you.